Welcome to Dragon Talk. Hey! Too All much right. clapping is going on. This audience needs to quiet down. Too excited. Ev- too excited for this official Dungeons & Dragons podcast. That's impossible. It's, yeah, we need to hype everybody up because yes. this is a fun episode. I am Greg Tito. That is Shelley Mazzanoble. And we Hi. have... Matthew Lillard calling in to this here podcast very soon. That is correct. That's just like, you know, something pretty darn cool we get to do at our jobs here at Greg Tito. But it is a cool thing that we get to hang out with Matt and check in on what his company, Beetle and Grimm's Pandemonium Warehouse, is doing what's going on in his acting career, the uh, table of... uh, TV showrunners, he is running as DM. Uh, very exciting stuff. And how to maybe get your own start in business. Very inspiring. You can do it. You Anybody can. Do can. It. Yeah. So good times. That was weird. We both like went off for a minute to like turn around and and get something at the same exact <laughs> time. That was weird. We're connected. Yeah, just this podcast was completely unattended for like one and a half seconds right there when we both just turned our backs. That was very strange. Anyway. Well, my phone was ringing. That's why I turned it off because I was like, what? Well, my hands are very dry and I don't know about you, but I can't stand dry hands. It's one of my favorite things actually is dry hands. <laughs> you know Bo- why? Because you're a dungeon a master <laughs> and dungeon masters like to go with their hands, rub their hands together when something bad happens. That's only really one specific dungeon master, Chris Lindsay. Mr. Chris Lindsay. Shout out to Lindsay. <laughs> is that what you want to do? <laughs> okay. Is that okay. your Chris Lindsay impression? Well, I'm reining it in. It would be like a thousand decibels louder if I was really... He's got that laugh, that booming laugh. That is true. That is but true. But yes, when he's like, oh, that's the sound of a dungeon master's hands rubbing together. That's what we're going to do. Okay. Are you sure you want to do that? Jeez. Jeez. I know, right? It feels like Chris. He needs to get some advice from Matthew Lillard on how to just kill his characters. Like, is there any better way to raise the stakes than just to furiously rub your palms together <laughs> and then laugh? <laughs> that on, is the man. way. Come on. It is so good. And uh, they are, the Beale and Grimms have been doing so many things uh, over the last few months. So it's really great to be able to check in with him. Um, and you'll hear all about it in that upcoming interview. Yes, we will. Um, they even have a, a wonderful bit of DM's help for Keys from the Golden Vault. Mm-hmm. The book that is out now, it has several heists that you can run together as a campaign or one-offs. Um, and heists are something that feels like, you know, D&D to a T. Um. It really does, and I'm very excited to dig into that as well. I was in the office yesterday, yeah, and I ran into Amanda Hammond, who was one of the co-leads on that book, and she was making a map, just like standing there, like doing cool stuff with her little sharpie and her uh, battle grid, and like redrawing one of the maps from the book. 
onto the map because she was about to go into a game. And it was just so satisfying to just sit there and watch her color in squares while I just kept bugging her about questions about her next project that we haven't talked about yet. But (laughs) um, I think she was probably like, I am like 20 minutes away from running a game, so I kind of need you to stop talking to me right now. But she didn't. She was just really sweet and polite, as usual. But anyway... It was, she said the game went really well. It was really fun. And I was a little bit jealous because I think I would have enjoyed playing in that game, but whatever. Well, she's a consummate professional being able to balance marketing questions with DM prep. That's that's a skill. While like drawing a map. While drawing a map. Right. I know. It was really cool. I think I would actually watch an entire YouTube channel of just Dungeon Masters drawing maps. <laughs> I could something. do it. There's a pretty Soothing. little tree. There's a happy little tree uh, right here. There's a little trap right here that <laughs> little players are just going to fall right into and break their little ankles. It's going to be amazing. <laughs> These spikes are, are, are black now, but they'll be covered in bright red blood come morning. You know what this needs? A secret door. Just a nice little secret door that nobody will know. But I know. Here. I know what's in it. <laughs> I know it, and you know it too. <laughs> it's, uh. my, it's my family. <laughs> <laughs> All in animatronics that will come and kill you. Oh, God. <laughs> Here they now come. You've, now you've gone too far. Too far. I can't wait to uh, jump in. I have not been able to uh, read any of Keys from the Golden Vault because I don't want to spoil myself. I want uh, um, to have the entire experience from the player's point of view with that one. I uh, just want to be good at it when I do play those adventures. So I've read every single word. Just kidding. <laughs> You're like, I spoiled myself. I, I did flip through a few. I'm really into the maps. And I, yeah. I only like only two adventures that I actually like really dig into those maps because they're like, different for the player than they are for the dungeon master. Know, and it's so that. cool. It's just cool. I love it. And of course they would be. Of course. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, uh, uh, I love that Amanda was trying to like recreate that by by making the physical artifact there for them. I know. <laughs> right? But yes. that's the cool thing about the Beetle and Grimm's uh, product uh, around this is that uh, you can use it all there. It's all about DM prep uh, and making it possible for your players to be as impressed with uh, you as Amanda's players were with her. I know. That's all. Isn't that really all any dungeon master wants? <laughs> to be as impressive as Amanda? <laughs> yes. That is true. Just want to impress your players. Just want them to go have a good time. It's yeah. a lot of pressure. I know, right? Yeah. Do a little high five to your D- dungeon master next time I, you see them. I agree. Just maybe, you know, say, hey, you're doing a really good job. Thank yeah. you. And all the that kids would... in Shelly's uh, <laughs> thing, make sure you tell Shelly that she's doing a good job. Yeah. All you kids that I'm sure are listening to Dragon Talk right, <laughs> right now. Especially oh, to so this much. one because they're uh, clearly Scooby-Doo fans. So they'll they, be listening to us talk to Shaggy. I know. If I told them, oh, yeah, this week I got to talk to Shaggy on the pod- official D&D podcast, they would maybe think I was lying. Either that or they would say, zoinks! Uh-huh. Remember when, when Matthew made... That recording for Quinn. I know. And it blew Quinn's mind. Do you still have that somewhere? Do you have that recording? I do. Yes. And Quinn is like, when he used to get like overwhelmed, he would cry. Like even if he was happy, he would just be like, 
I don't know what to do with all this emotion in my body. It's going to come out as tears. And just remember his little face listening to it. It was so sweet. Wow. Yeah. He was cute back then. What happened? I don't know, man. <laughs> Take, then they just start taking after their dads. That's what it is. Oh, sick burn, as the kids say. Oh, that's sus. Totally sus. Don't, that's cap. <laughs> no cap. No cap. Except that was cap. Uh, one thing is that during D&D Club, do you know that Quinn will sometimes just be like, mm, I'm out, I'm not playing. And he'll go sit in a corner and read a book or write a story. Wow. Um, which that's got to be fine. great for you. Mm, yeah, because some of the, all the kids at my table, they all go, excuse me? Why is your son not playing Dungeons and Dragons? The kids say that? Yes. They are so confused. And they're like, if you were my mom, I would play Dungeons and Dragons every day. I'm like, "Mm -hmm. Mm mm-hmm. I would probably not do that, but we would be playing a lot more than he would. Yeah. This is like like, the classical musician whose kids can't stand, you know music or something like that right like it's yeah. it, there is something ingrained in kids wanting to rebel against their parents i guess i mean he'll like drop in when it's his turn he'll like come in and do something but like he'll usually just be like if you guys want to kill my character you can <laughs> <laughs> it's him and fiona man they're very similar in that way why do they do that to us it's, it's them they're people they're people just like, I think we should ask Matt about some of his parenting advice because I feel let's like he's, he's been there and done that. All right, let's do it. Let's, just, right. let's just jump in. All right, let's jump right in. Let's welcome back Matthew Lillard to Dragon yeah! Tag! Yeah! Oh! Oh! I'm so excited. You're I back. Hi. I have to say, in, in turning on, we're watching each other as we do this lovely podcast. And, yeah. Um, I turned on the camera and I saw you all and my heart skipped a beat. Stop it. I swear to God, I love these moments. I love getting to talk about what I love most. But, I, you know, from from where we started to where we are now, it's just sort of kind of a lovely check-in and I adore you both. So this is fun. We adore you too. I was yeah. just rereading our cha- the chapter I wrote about meeting you for the first time in in LA and how exciting that was, right? That, is, that was like six years ago now. Is that true? Yeah. It's kind of crazy. Um, I mean, you know, just just in terms of a company, how far? I mean, first yeah. of all, our relationship from then to now, um, I feel like I can call and talk to you about anything. Yeah. Um, but just in, and shell you too. It would be weird. Anytime. Like, no, it wouldn't be uh, weird at all. They'd be, they'd be like, hey, Shell, hi. I've got this thing. It's weird itch. Yeah. <laughs> Put I, some cream on it. Like, it wouldn't be the first time I've diagnosed weird itches. I can do it. I have um, Google. Yeah, go. Well, then welcome to my short list of calls. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the, the, uh, the, you know, just where we started, where we are now is, is, um, I don't know, there's, it, it's a, it's a moment in time that you hold on to. It's funny because it, like, so my, fir- I'm an actor, obviously day to day. And, um, I, my first day of working was on a movie called Serial Mom. And it just so happened to coincide that the day, the Branch Divinian and David Koresh Oh wow! Waco, Texas happened right. This culminating event of the standoff, and 
And so I have a very clear, like, um, flag in the ground of like, oh, that was my first day of making a movie was the same day that happened. So at any given time, I can go back and sort of Google how long I've been around. <laughs> and I just realized uh, it was in 1993. And so this is my 30th year of wow. being a professional actor. Which is oh, wow. That is crazy. That's yeah. So you were a child. You were obviously a child, like only like three years old at that moment. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> so gifted at such a young age. <laughs> oh, and I have a similar thing of 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 when Beetle and Grimm's began. Uh, when I uh, talked to you at that time, I actually had a picture come up on my my. Uh, um, you know, screensaver thing of, of you and I after, uh, uh, you know, I got like a D&D t-shirt. And I think you had one on too. And we're like, oh yeah, this is it. Um, <laughs> so I have That's that clear picture. And then I have, I, I know when this company was born, when you pitched it to Nathan Stewart on a, on a, on a street corner in Belltown in Seattle. Uh, and I thought I had an actual photo of it. I didn't, I looked for it, but I actually just have a mental picture of you uh, uh, using your hands a lot. Uh, and 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 pitching your idea uh, and th- to see how far I, you guys have come. Yeah, we're right there off of Ventura Boulevard in, in uh, Studio City. So I told her on Brent. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's funny. So yeah, so you know, good. Uh, I guess the update is we haven't talked in a hot minute. Um, yeah. You know, there's five founders. Uh, the fourth founder has now left his full time career and works full time for the company. No oh, way. Wow. Yeah. Which is pretty crazy. It's pretty crazy if you think about the fact that, you know, we were all sort of had a, having a midlife crisis. Um, <laughs> we went up to do the very first stream. Yeah. Uh, and, um, and, and pitched Nathan Stewart on the corner of Belltown, this idea of doing premium boxes. So for those of you out there who may not know who we are, I am one of the founding members of a company called Beetle and Grimm's Pandemonium Warehouse. And we are a company that pre- creates uh, high-end box editions for Dungeons and & Dragons and other IPs we don't talk about on Dragon Talk. Um <laughs> And and we are now partners with Watsi and have done uh, moved over to the magic side, which is really exciting. Um, and we are constantly growing our brand and bringing out products that we are incredibly proud of. In fact, we had this meeting just yesterday, and somebody said, "You know, why are you why are you interested in this?" And that's you know, and I just said, "We follow our passion. Like we have." Our goal is to do things that only turn us on, right? That that we are excited about. And so I was trying to pitch that to somebody. It was like somebody from another company was like, wait, what? <laughs> how, how do you do that? And I was like, you know, we just keep it really, really, you know, we're growing, but we try to keep it all very manageable. So that's the secret. We have exciting things now. Yeah. Yeah. So talk a little bit about the the most recent stuff that you've got going on. Cause I know there was the the Dragonlance uh boxes yeah. were were super cool. Well, Dragonlance, I think, is just such an incredible adventure. Yeah. Um, it's sort of, you know, for us, for me personally, it got back to what we loved about DD. Like I love the Feywild, I love Wild Beyond the Witchlight, what we did with that box. Yeah. You know, that box we, you know, we had we, we included uh, five sets of fairy wings for everyone or butterfly wings to wear that we designed, that my daughter actually designed. The oh, wings, that's so cool. 
It is cool. She's a, uh, she's a sophomore at USC and she's an art student. And, oh my gosh. Amazing. Um, she, she's also done, like she did um, the Festival of the Sun poster in the straw box. She did her straw t-shirt. She did her witch light t-shirt. So she's done a lot of cool stuff for us. Which is, nice. Which is awesome. I'm sure you're paying her exactly uh, what she's worth uh, for all that, all that IT oh, she's yeah. generating. Uh, she, she gets to come home for Christmas and we have yeah. her Christmas dinner. There you go. Um, she gets a percentage of every was, box at sold. The time, yeah, well, the funny thing is she's like this kid and she had never really made money. So she's like, wait, you're paying me? I'm like, yeah, that's what we do in Beetle and Crims. Oh, oh it's a real company. Yes, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I love the plushie too in that one. Oh, uh, yeah. The, the witchling one. Yeah. Like, plushie was great. Um, yeah. It's her taller Yeah. Uh, but that box, I mean, that box is, I think that box is whimsical. Like, I, I think one of the fun things that we do each box is we try to there's, two, there's a couple things that guide us like how do we make the dm's job easier to deliver an incredible game experience yeah right you may not have what you what you don't have in time and energy you may have in money at the table right five people pitching in can conceivably can afford a 200 dollars box if you amortize that out every time you play over the course of you know, a year, a year and a half, you know, there's a way to buy that box at $5 every session or something. And so, you know, we try to make the experience great um, for the DM and, and we take great pride in that. In fact, that's one of the things that happened in the Steel Edition for, mm. for uh, Dragonlance is that we really tried to push ourselves to find ways to continually help a DM use not only our stuff, but deliver great game experience. Like, you know, we have like um, sort of a, a DM, we lay out this, everything that's in the box and when you use it, right? So if you're in chapter one, book one, because we break the books out into very manageable books, like these are all the things you'll need to prep for tonight's game session so that they can go through and pull the encounter cards. They can go through and, and pull our in-world handouts or our maps and, so that they're better prepared to use our assets in every session. And that's yeah. important. And like, it seems so simple, but it's so important because if you're a DM and you're like, okay, like, oh, something exciting. Well, hang on. I got to go rummage in my bag and like, let me find the right mini and like, wait, where's the map? And then like, everyone's like, well, while you're looking for them, I'm going to go take a break. I'm going to refill my drink or go to the bathroom. And then it's like a break in play. But it's very important as somebody who is a fledgling dungeon master like myself. I need all of that guidance. So I appreciate that you guys do that. Yeah. And we were finding like you would forget, like you would yes. be going through and you would forget, oh, we have a handout for, you know, for the paladin in this session, or we have a, you know, a wearable that you can give players. Like those touches are so important to us because that brings, that bring, that's our value. Our value is that every game, if you're sitting in a game and you get to roll out a battle map, right, as you're walking into a huge battle and you mm -hmm. have like two encounter cards that go up on your DM screen, like all of that is infusing the gameplay with like assets to help tell the story, elements that get people excited and battles, you know, like looking at the monster you're fighting on one side and on the other side is all the stats, like that's a win-win for both sides. So look, we, we, you know, we did that. We really tried, you know, for Dragonlance, we really tried to continually, look, we're always trying to turn ourselves on and be excited about the things we're creating, find these moments of whimsy, 
like straw box. We have these finger puppets. Like we're <laughs> trying to find these things that tell stories oh, yeah. that are fun. Um, but we're listening to what players want. We're listening to what DMs want. So um, for yeah, what's the, the what's the edition. what's the feedback been? Right, like yeah, what is what is people that you've gotten from the community? I know you do those those touchstones when you do those streams and stuff. Like what's the, what's what's the excitement been around yeah. all of each one of these that have come out? Well, we find that people. Our DMs specifically are, they love our encounter cards. Yeah. So encounter cards are a big deal for us. So in in case you haven't ever played one of our boxes or seen our website, encounter cards are, for example, the Steel Edition of Dragonlance. We have 60 of them. It's a very simple idea. It's a folded piece of paper. It's, um, you know, it's a heavy card stock. On one side is the art of the monster only. So you hang that on your custom DM screen that we build for almost all of our adventures. And on the back side of that is all the stats from the monster manual. So you have a heads up display of what people are fighting as as they can see the art. So for us, that's one of our Um, go-tos. I can tell you like around Gen Con this year, we may have a new product that is maybe Ooh. specifically just collections of encounter cards. Oh, okay. I don't know how to talk about that, but we have a very exciting uh, a new um, product line. I guess I am talking about it, so I should just commit to talking about it. <laughs> I mean... Well, I mean, it's happening. So, and it's approved by all parties and we're moving forward. But say, for example, you are doing a homebrew and you need a monster and maybe that monster is in in something we've created in the past. um, And you want to, an encounter card of say, a animated armor. Well, we may have that in in an individual packaged item that you can purchase for sale. Purchase for sale. Purchase, Purchase for sale. That's how. <laughs> those are the words. We're doing encounter cards. We're doing a collection of encounter cards. Yeah, we are bringing them on. I love the journey. We just pulled it out of you. <laughs> the journey over the last sixty never. seconds. If you're like, should we talk about it? No, we're just. Uh, this is it. This is the full pitch. We're going all in. This is <laughs> little it. by little. Uh, I've been drunk since noon. So. <laughs> uh, it's consistent with all the interviews uh, we've done. <laughs> uh, I, you know, yeah. So we're doing encounter cards. So we're doing a collection of encounter cards that we're really excited about. We we partnered with uh, Wizards of the Coast and Dungeons and Dragons, and we are bringing those out sometime around Gen Con. So we are uh, critical CR levels zero to twelve, and um, we're really stoked. That's cool. So, yeah. That's cool. So and that's based on that. feedback from people being like, those are super, I wish we had them for more monsters. And you're right. like, well, have we got the product for you? Can you? Yeah, exactly. So we're doing that. Um, but they also like, look, people love our maps. Like we have tons of maps. We put a lot of time and energy into our maps. The maps that are in books, we blow them up. We blow them up and they annotate them for DM. So the DM has it in front of them and all the annotations are Sort of that's one of the things that we did in, in the Steel Edition as well is that we created um, you know a, a symbol system to let the the DM immediately know what is in each room so that you're not constantly having to go back that if you're you know you you can sort of manage what's happening um, as you go through uh, so we have a ton of maps we have an ungodly amount we have 
um, 25 in-world handouts in that box. Mm. Um, everything from call to action to um, battle of the bards map, you know, like announcements, like it's, it's tons and tons of stuff. And again, look, everything you, if you had all the time in the world and you were preparing for a game, you would want to create these things. And, you know, our whole thing is that we'll do it for you. We'll do it at a higher level, we'll pay professionals to do it. And we'll just deliver a really cool quality instead of you having to, you know, sort of burn the edges of paper. <laughs> Soak it in some yeah. tea or however we used yeah, to make exactly. antique paper. Well, exactly. We'll hire some incredible artists to come and do it for you. So, um, you know, and then these, you know, these wearables. I mean, we have coins of the realm, Tiamat, the holy symbol of Tiamat followers. Mm-hmm. That's a wearable. You can wear this necklace is super cool. So that, that steel box is great. I'm actually about to wrap up my Curse of Strahd. Well, I should say my players are about to wrap up the Curse of Strahd because they're about to get completely annihilated as they go to the Amber Temple. Um, <laughs> and they, I was like, I, I love, I have these fancy uh, showrunners who who run, who I play with. They're all, they've, they've run very popular Hollywood shows. Um, and they sort of like kind of play by the seat of their pants and they, you know, um, if they're listening, they should know that they're about to go into the Amber Temple and get completely destroyed because <laughs> they don't take things seriously. And no matter how many times I say to them, okay, you're higher level now. And the stakes mean, that means the stakes are higher. So you should prepare and make a plan and don't mess up because that could be catastrophic. It's not just for the players or the characters involved. It's the whole, you know, Barovia is at stake now. I keep trying to tell them. I keep trying to tell them, if you die, your soul will walk to the top of the spire and jump down every single night at midnight. So oh. <laughs> you should definitely try harder. <laughs> that can be hard to get players on board on that on that one. It, it is. It's very funny. They're incredibly charming and talented, and they're great storytellers, and they buy into their characters. But nobody's died, died. Oh, mm. You feel like you've got to teach them a lesson? <laughs> I th- well, I just think sometimes, like, you have to know the stakes are really high. That's the best way to play the game, in my opinion. Right. What I love about the game is that we can have the best time in the world. We can giggle at, uh, the night away and just enjoy. I always say it's the best way to spend a life. I mean, you just sit around a table and tell stories and it's the best. Yeah. But when it comes time to play, if your character dies, that's it, man. That's it's over. And that just has never happened in this game. And I feel like it's about to happen. And I'm, I have zero regrets because there are warnings. I'm now on Dragon Talk. <laughs> Giving him this warning. Well, um, we, Greg, you probably, I'm sure you remember, we talked to uh, a gentleman named Robert Wardaw who was. In the news because he runs possibly the longest D&D game ever. He's in like his 40-something year of running the same campaign. He's got players all over the world jumping in and out of this game. But he also spoke about high stakes in the game and how like that's why if your character dies, they don't come back. There is no resurrection. Mm -hmm. And he said he deliberately does that because he wants his players to feel invested in the game and to know that the stakes are real here and like yes you can have fun and you can do cool stuff but death matters and so i i understand what you're saying as a way to make those players realize the stakes are real but 
I wonder, like, is are there other ways? Like, what what other what are some other yeah, I, ways to do that? Because kids don't kids don't have that same need for to warn them. Like when I play with my kids, they're like, oh, "We got. We. I would rather yeah. run than sit here and die because I don't want to die." And I do right. think there's something about the idea of quote unquote playing a game for adults. And these guys are, you know, they they love the game. It's not like they don't love the game, and they love playing the game. And they probably they love their characters. Yeah, I think they love their characters, and they're all fully fleshed out. You know, like sometimes you've got characters that are like, yeah, and 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 it's kind of split. It's a five person game. Uh, a Ben Ruby's playing, who I adore. Oh, nice. Um, who's I? I think he's been with you guys on, on Dragon Talk at some point, or you know him because he's been tell him from yeah, because we saw him at uh, a, at the stream of Annihilation. Oh yeah, yeah, he came up. Yeah. Um, but he, uh, you know, it's like sometimes you just, they get away from that. Do you think it's the fact that they're TV showrunners and they think that their their characters are, are immortal? Like that's the part arc, of it? Or, or the arc is complete. Like they're used to maybe stories yeah, wrapping I up. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I think they just, I don't know. I, I, I don't, because they're in. They want to play. They love the game. Mm-hmm. They love the game. I just don't think they understand that when you're dead, it's over. And that's the end. And look, at the end of the day, they're walking into something that they're not ready for. They're given three choices. They chose to go this way. And I'm going to just play numbers. There's so many times, and I'm curious what you guys think about this. Like, sometimes you get your PCs in over their head and you feel responsible. Yeah. Right? If I if I set up a situation where you're in trouble, um, I may fudge a dice. I have no problem. I was just going to ask if you fudge the dice. I, I will fudge the living life out of a dodge. And I also will fudge them in the name of storytelling. Yes. If, it, if a story gets better, you can succeed or fail. But when you go into something that I feel like you've been warned and you don't pay attention, then the dice are going to be the dice. And you're only going to get through with your wits because your characters are overmatched. I think if you've given the warnings like you have, like that's that's a no fudge area, right? And I think you want to uh, uh, roll in. See, that's why I like using the DM screen and then the drama of being like, no, I'm I'm rolling this in full view, so you know I'm not. There's no there's no fudging involved here, and uh, that can make it even more dramatic, right? That makes that moment that much more. Uh, you know, shaking I, your fist. I, I think that's, that's such a great point is that rolling it out loud and letting them see the result is super powerful. And I never do it. I mean, I'm always kind. I, I feel like you guys, we, we've, we've gone into like a therapy session. I, I know. <laughs> but that's, that's a really good, subtle thing you mentioned, Greg. It's like, if you go out there and you're like, I'm just, I'm removing the screen. I want you guys to see. With, like I would immediately as a player be like, whoa, okay, what? Like we're in danger. Like the, the fact that you're like, I take no responsibility. <laughs> the dice are in control here. That automatically would make me feel like, okay, higher stakes. I gotcha. I like it. Subtle. It's good. I, I think you. it's actually a great way to start the night, which mm. is to say, as you enter the door, I'm taking away my DM screen and just understand that you will see what happens. So yes. good luck. I'm not because I want them to live. I want them to I want them to beat Strahd. 
I want them to vanquish evil. I want them to free Barovia. We've been playing for like three years. I'm like, oh my gosh, if you fail now, I have to start again at some other first level. <laughs> first level. <laughs> Somebody's got to beat this guy. Well, there can so. be fun in uh, killing off one of them. Maybe not, maybe not a TPK, but if you kill one and then they, the, re- the surviving members, all of a sudden they've got to figure out how to resurrect that character or bring them back, you know, through, through the magic rules that exist yeah. in the game, right? I don't think you'd be, you know, pulling the punch if you use what's, the, you know, the spells that are available to clerics and whatnot. That yeah. makes it like a whole other story. Like, oh, we got, we got a bad beat, as you were saying, and then like, all right, yeah. then it means the revenge of going to, up against Strahd after you've resurrected that player's character, that much more exciting because you're like, all right, we know the stakes are high here and we don't have any more diamonds left to get a resurrection going. Well, they do have, I, at a moment of weakness, I gave them one resurrection for the entire adventure. Oh, so now you got to kill two of them. Mm. <laughs> at the same time, and now they have to choose who they who want to resurrect. <laughs> yeah. If you go into the Amber Temple, that's very possible. It's true. It um, is true. Yeah. So anyway, so we we digress. Uh, I should get back to shilling my company. Uh, <laughs> Let's talk about the magic stuff that you've been making. Yeah, because I I, I oh, haven't. Yeah. I, I've been really excited about what looking at all of the all of the the boxes and things that you've been doing there. What? Yeah. yeah. What's what's going on? So about a year ago, um, the magic team came to us and said, you know, we love what you're doing with Dungeons and Dragons. Um, we would love to do a secret layer drop with you. They were doing the Forgotten Realms, and they thought we were a perfect partner for that. And they had never sort of reached into, you know, if you're not familiar with Secret Layer, they do drops several times a year in which they'll do, you know, bespoke cards that are curated and sort of special releases. And so what we did is that we went out and created an entire experience around this drop that they gave us. So they gave us seven foiled dragons, which were a reprint of these old D&D um, legendary uh, uh, dragons. And so we built an entire, we, we, it was called Here Be Dragons. We did 10,000 units. We actually sold out in two hours, wow. um, and, which was crazy. And we created this entire um, product. It was, I was really proud of it. It was actually my product. Um, you know, we each one of us on the DD on on Beetle and Grimms, we lead a project. So I led that project nice. um, with the help of John. It was great. But you know, we went out and said, okay, the idea of secret layer, like what do we do here? How do we speak to that? And so one of the things we did is we created a with a a vendor partner, we created a deck box that had a secret, a secret um compartment. Mm-hmm. which was really cool. And we did this unboxing experience where as you went through this paper craft, it was revealing the cards. And then behind the last sort of the, um, the last vault, there was the, the sort of secret card because every secret layer has a secret card. And so, but, um, you know, then we went out and created, I'm lifting up for the camera that you guys at home can't see, but we mm. created this. Um, that looks heavy. This, yeah. This metal, uh, counter which we're really proud of so we basically went out and like threw our heart and soul into this project uh and people loved it i mean people like had never seen anything like it and we were like we delivered cool cards but on top of that we delivered this unboxing experience that you know was sort of extra um and so that has led to this new phyrexian drop we just closed the phyrexian um behold new phyrexia which is this uh we have this card 
um, mental misstep that we put into a box, another box experience, right? So we went out and curated this this um, resin deck box that sort of looks like a 1960s, you know, deck boxes are usually, you know, these compact boxes. And we went out and built this sinewy kind of disgusting um, deck box that kind of looked like a 1960s card box. I don't know, it's kind of hard to explain, but um, so we did that and we had these spin down dice and we had sleeves and, so, you know, we have the sweatshirt. We did a, I'm wearing the sweatshirt that nice. I'm showing the guys. Here. Nice. Sort of built this huge product and, and we brought that to market. And we're now in conversations about doing sort of an evergreen project. So doing mana sets and doing planeswalker sets and sort of bringing our specific premium take to magic elements. I love that, dude, because... That's not easy to do because I think with with the Dungeons and Dragons pitch, I understood it, right? Because it was like, oh, here are these props and things. If you don't have right. time to make them on your own, here's how you can do it for for making the experience around the D and D table better. But when you were talking about doing magic stuff, I was like, huh, I wonder what that's going to be like. I didn't I didn't have that connection, and uh, when I saw the the box experience that you put together, I was like, oh my god, of course it's it's that fun of cracking open a booster. But doing it extra, as you just said, mm-hmm. right? I think that's so cool. And it reminded me of, I was watching, did you see um, uh, Glass Onion? The, the, the Ryan Johnson mystery uh, thing that was on no. Netflix? Oh, gra- Glass. I thought, you, I thought it was some like Japanese anime. Glass no. Onion. Gra- I- glass <laughs> Onion. <laughs> yeah, and that has a box experience in it. And I thought of you guys. I was like, oh my God, that's kind of what B&G did for, for Magic was creating this like puzzle game that was just an invite to the dude's, you know, island or whatever. And I was like, ah, oh, I, I feel like you captured that, but in a, a, a Imagine the Gathering way. We, it was, look, it was one of those things that certainly if you had asked me the morning of the launch of Here Be Dragons, would I want to take away 5,000 units? Because I didn't think anyone, I wasn't sure if anyone was going to buy it. Oh, I, wow. I may have taken because I was like, oh, we may have completely missed the mark. Because I will say, you know, Kamigawa was incredible. We learned a lot when we produced the Kamigawa product. It was a $500 sort of accessory box. Yeah. Um, And we went to Magic players and we realized that may not be exactly what Magic players want. (laughs) Um, We sold a bunch of them. They did great. We we were super proud of the product. But we're like, oh, Magic players love uh, Magic cards. And that's where their money goes. They want cards. They want to win tournaments. They want to play their friends. They don't necessarily have to have, you know, cool deck boxes. So yeah. we sort of recalibrated how we approach that market. Um, still making cool stuff, but not really, you know, building slowly in that market is what we're trying to do. Like trying to do things again that we're excited about, right? That we think are, is super fun. So we yeah. have a lot of cool stuff coming up for 2023 into Q3, Q4, 23, and then into 24, and and really creating a line going forward, right? Um, so that we, so that you, so Beetle and Grimms become synonymous with cool accessories, premium accessories for for Magic. So it's yeah. it's hard. I mean, look, it's that thing where you know every year since we launched, we've grown. Luckily. Um, but now we have four founders and, and we're, we have to continually find ways to make products that we're excited about, that the market's excited about, that we're not 
sort of selling out what we do, right? We're trying to, we still do sort of limited numbers and yeah. I don't know. It's, it's interesting. You're selling an experience too. Like that, that, yeah. that it, it, it's not just about, I mean, obviously the items that you're creating are things you want to hold on to for a long time, but it is that experience. It's, it's, it's the opening it up. It's, it's having that storytelling around the, the, the table that is uh, hard to reproduce over and over and over again. I love that you guys are trying to continuing to do it. Yeah. And we have to be excited about it, right? Like yeah. we have to, you know, the, you know, the things that we were doing for Spelljammer, like we had to figure out ways in of like, okay, we've done, we've done a lot of boxes now. I mean, we've right. done, you know, it's funny. I don't know how many, 12 boxes or something. And so you're, every one of them has encounter friends. Every one of them is breaking up the buck. Although we did just do the um, keys of the golden vault, which is sort of a DM asset for that book, which is different than we've ever done before. So we don't include the book. Mm. And we it's $99, so it's a lower price point. And we go out and we offer the DM a bunch of assets. Like uh, for that, I think we have like their map. Is, again, going back to what do people want? We have maps and counter cards, in-world handouts, sort of adding to a DM's um, ongoing kit, right? Like, yeah, it's yeah. a big like we have a big thing about that. Like, you know, our our minis that we do with our platinum editions. Well, why do you do the minis? Well, we do the minis because you'll use in deciding what minis to use, we try to figure out well, what will continue in the kit, like what will a DM reuse down the line? Like, how do we add value? Three, four, five adventures. How do we add value to your home game? How do we add value to every game you play, you know, in at your table? So um, you know, that's what those are the things that we consider, and and that's sort of how we we plant our flag um, as uh, plant our flag as a company. Yeah, um, well, I think it's clear that you're you're all gamers, and that you you are your audience, and you you obviously know what players want. I think with something like Spelljammer, like how would you, how do you figure out like? I mean, other than the things that you know you're going to put in there, the minis, the encounter cards, but how do you how do you dig into a product and say yeah. this we this know, is the tangible yeah. thing? It's it's a great question. So we it's starting with a steel edition of Dragonlands. We sat down with with Wes Schneider, who's the um, who's the creator of that book, and we're like, how do we help you? Like, what value can we add? Yeah, you have to cut in editing like what do you what do you need us to do to help tell your story and that you know there's two elements in that book where we fleshed out um there's 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 two adventures there's there's two side quests in there that we added content to help flesh out that adventure mm. um, because there just wasn't enough pages in the book so we went back and said okay you he asks us, can you do this you know the night of terror i think is one of them but there, there are two elements that we went in there and sort of bolstered and wrote content to help sort of to tell that story so we start with the you know we start with the creator and we start with what makes us excited um you know and in terms of playing look with the four founders you know we were working three nights a week so everyone has a day job Right. And then we would get together Monday, Wednesday and Saturday morning 
And we would probably, we would meet anywhere between two and three hours every single meeting. And from each meeting, we would go off and work and come back two days, three days later and re, you know, recheck in and sort of recalibrate. So what's happened is now they all work full time for Beetle and Grimm's. So we've now taken our Sunday morning 8 a.m. slot, which as you can imagine, as an adult male who sometimes consumes alcohol, <laughs> right now, I'm told that, that Sunday morning at 8 a.m. can be pretty brutal. So we've yeah. taken that meeting, and uh, that is now when we play. So Beetle and Grimm's now plays, because we weren't playing, because you're like, yeah. first of all, yeah. you see the way to um, you're building every time you're together. You're building. You're talking about numbers. You're talking about money and, and international shipping, and the, you know, and how hard it is to get coordinate. Like all the things that you, you know, it goes into building the holy symbol of Tiamat. Is you know, there's like it's a nine month process. So you're always engaged, and you're always like there's things always to do. So we stopped playing. Yeah. And one of the things that we are committed to continuing to do is that. Look, and I think, why do we tell all these specific details? Because I think if somebody's out there going, I want to start a business, I want to do something like this. Like, it's so doable. You have to build structure. Like, so every quarter, we always, all five of the founders go away for a weekend. We rent a house and we sit in pajamas all day and we bash ideas and we fight about things. And, you know, and we come up, we dream about stuff. And then we spend the next quarter trying to put it together. But if you're out there and you're wondering, like, how do you do it? You just have to have a commitment to, to get, to, you, you, it's almost impossible to do alone, right? Because you get lost, you get insecure, you get off path, you, you, something stands in your way and there's nothing there to push you over the hill. So you've got to, it's the same thing in acting, any creative thing. You need to have other antelopes with you as you're traveling across the Serengeti because any singular antelope is going to get picked off. You gotta travel with herds. You've got to travel with a pack. So if you're creative out there and you're thinking, oh my God, I want to do something. I have this great idea. Get somebody, grab them by the hand. I'm punching my own hand. I don't, I'm, I'm getting really fired up. Grab somebody, <laughs> grab them by the hand, be like, this is my dream. Let's go make it. And I think it's possible. It is possible. Cause we didn't take any money early on. We put in a pocket full of cash that was. You know, not a lot of money. I mean, we each started with five grand um, and that's how we started the company. That's how we started to pull our money together to build bit by bit. That's super useful for people to know because I think what's really, I mean, we talk about this a lot uh, as D&D in general helps make people better, right? Mm -hmm. We talk about the empathy. We talk about, you know, the 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 walking in other people's shoes, like that kind of happens. But, you know, I love the story that you guys were playing together for 20 years before you started this company. Because right. you built up your relationships, you built up how to work with each other and fight and and, and resolve conflicts in a way that's uh, uh, pushing the company forward, right? And uh, I think you're right. There's this idea that there there's auteurs out there that are like, oh, I made The Godfather. Like, it was just Francis Ford Coppola who made The Godfather. But like, no, he had an entire team of people and part of the secret sauce of being a creative who, who leads that is, is leading, is having a group behind you and, and getting people on your side. And you had that built up because you'd played together for so long. Yeah. Just to understand, we had a theater company too. Four of us from the same acting school in New York City. We started a theater company after that. We, I mean, we have story upon story of us brawling over whether to do Sam Shepard, I mean, or write our own play. <laughs> we have we have this thing where we have a friend of ours named Jeffrey Dornbos, who I 
thinks hilarious. I'm bringing up on Dragon Talk because he's like, wait, what? <laughs> but he, we, after a dance class, he and I were got in a fight. And I I went up to him like, hey, bro. He's like, yeah, yeah, buddy, buddy. I love you. I love you. I love you. He was so angry. And he knew I was going to say, I love you. I, this isn't mean I don't love you. And he literally said, yeah, yeah, okay, okay, buddy, buddy, buddy. I love you. I love you. I love you. So now... We we steal that in our you know as we're fighting internally. <laughs> um, but yeah, but we had you know we had a legacy of um, of doing a theater company. We had a legacy also of failing. We weren't as scared. We weren't scared of failing because yeah. we had failed. We had plenty of shows that did fine or did bad or you know and or poorly and. You know, and 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 I think that that's some of it too. I think some people mm. are so worried about, well, what happens if it fails? Well, dude, that time spent is better energy spent than living a completely safe life. Um, Got to just something extraordinary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, there's again, something extraordinary. Yeah, can teach you that. Like, it can do. Like, there's a. I, I'm playing D and D with kids now at. Um, my son's school. So the idea of them failing, I very consciously went into it like, that's not a failure. That's an opportunity for a story. That's an opportunity for you to do something funny and show us like, well, why didn't that arrow hit the target? Like, what were you doing? And then they're like, oh, I tripped on my shoelace and it looked like this. It's like, yeah, it's like take that, those opportunities. But I do think having... A D and D can teach you like not all failure is just over. It's not like see the opportunity there, see the learning part there, see the opportunity for a new story to begin. Like it's it. There's a million things that it it D playing D and D can show you, and I think that's a, such a big one. If we keep that front of mind, I'm trying to like reframe all of my my characters' failures as a dungeon master. Like I reframe it, reframe it all. And then hopefully these kids will go out there and start their own companies one day too, <laughs> because they're good. I, I Listen, I, it's so funny. I mean, I teach acting all the time. It's my favorite thing to do. And, and I see it in my own kids. What happens is when you get into a class, you just, you want to be right mm-hmm. or you want to do it well mm-hmm. and you want to do it how it's supposed to be done. And the hardest thing to do is get these kids to push beyond their comfort zone, to try to be extraordinary and do come up short because then you, that's when you learn failing is actually when you learn, you know, that's how you become better. And so, you know, I always pushing kids. if, If you, if you're seeking brilliance, if you want to be incredible, you've got to try to be incredible. And sometimes that means you just fall flat on your face most of the time i look back most of the time yes yeah most of the time you're incredibly bad um and it's okay it's okay there's not one one chance so look and and you know we we are we learn in beyond grums all the time through failing and, and trying to do cool stuff and in terms of that like we have really you know we talked a little about what we're doing beforehand, which is the most exciting thing, which I, I I can't reveal today. Like I have my encounter card announcement. I literally in the middle of my talking, I was like, what am I going to tell the guys? Um, 
They're going to be like, dude, what are you doing? We um, told you to keep it on the DL. Counterparts, you're not supposed to announce it. Uh, but we do have something that we're really excited about that we can I can allude to, which is we are working with Dungeons and Dragons towards something. Uh, I don't know. What can I say? I, <laughs> something and then, entertaining? It, we're going to do something. Wow. That is going to be so, fun. It could be. That could be. I could. Am I gonna get in trouble for that? I can't get in trouble for that, can I? I don't think so. No, you're good. You're good. <laughs> if not, we're, I'm gonna have Shelly call you and, and ask about uh, you know, some some itch that she has. <laughs> it could be. Yes. We, we're very excited about something on the horizon. It's, that is exciting. Probably, it is. We should, probably, we should probably cut that entire part out. <laughs> <laughs> we'll say we're doing. Oh, just do like that. Sounds yeah. really fun. Um, but I love, I love looking, you know, back at your history too. Like I just, I, I, I was saying over email, I saw your uh, SLC Punk uh, again recently, um, which I hadn't seen in like decades. Like I hadn't watched it like I think since you know the nineties, and I had no idea that it was even referencing D anD D at the end. You guys were D anD D players, and kind of slagging on it a little bit. I'm like, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> dude, you just that's him. And Bob was like. Heroin Bob's like, no, man, this is cool. Yeah. And, I, and you're like, you're a seventh level magic user. Or your yeah. younger version of you was saying that. I was like, oh, this is this is legit. Yeah. You actually, did they use your props uh, for for when no, they shot no, that? Sadly, no. Sadly, no. I mean, I was a you know, baby when they shot it. It's funny. I, I do these conventions now. And you get these kids come up, these little punk rock kids who are like, dude, that movie saved my life. And I'm like, yeah, it's a it's a powerful little movie for those people that need that movie. And it's like one of those things like, look, you know, a Dungeon Siege Tale. I mean, you know, Return of the King, a Dungeon Siege Tale. Maybe one of the worst movies ever made. Uh, Super. (laughs) It's a a horrible. It was a fun experience because I got to ride around on a horse and fight people with swords. Uh, But it was a horrible movie. Uh, And that movie, like, whatever, it's a piece of transaction in your life. but. Uh, SLC Punk is one of those movies that I hold dear. And it's like, you know, at the end of the day, those moments of insecurity, I look back on that movie. I'm like, it did my job, right? There's a time in my life where I did something right. And I love that movie and super proud of the work. So it's great. And now I've got another thing. I'm doing like this. I'm doing, um, I'm doing this thing called Five Nights at Freddy's. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Is it? adaptation of a, a video game yeah um just funny i i was literally telling my wife last night i think this is the biggest thing to happen in my career since scream so, really yeah it's this really funny thing i was like i got a call from my manager i was like there's there's a, a project and they want to talk to you about doing it they're sitting you down with the director and i'm like sitting down with the director it must be terrible <laughs> nobody ever <laughs> Nobody ever comes to me for that. I mean, that's, you know, the idea. Like, that's like a big, that's what movie stars do. They sit down with directors. I'm like, well, the movie must be terrible. <laughs> like, oh, it's, it's pretty big. I'm like, well, I must have a terrible part. They're like, no, dude, it's pretty big. So I read the script. It's fantastic. It's being done by Jason Blum and Blumhouse. Oh, nice. The Universal out early next year. And Five Nights at Freddy's has this fan base. That is just voracious. I mm-hmm. mean, they're they are they are as I, I've never been involved with something that has this kind of passion behind it in my entire life. 
Um, and I sort of play this, I play William Afton. I play this sort of really horrific character and and they couldn't be more excited the fact that I'm there and I'm like, this is incredible. So we're supposed to do three movies if it all goes well. And it's super fun because like, you know, there's like this big sort of exciting uptick in my life, which hasn't happened for a while. So it's fun. That is exciting. That's amazing. Five Nights at Freddy's was huge, like a, a video game kind of debut that came out of nowhere uh, with this indie mm-hmm. studio, and people just like ate it up for the for the horrorness of it. Right? It's like the Chuck E. Cheese gone bad, right? Yeah, the yeah. animatronics of yeah. them gone bad, which is super creepy. Um, so that's really exciting. And the, anim- and the animatronics are like all like incredible. Um, yeah. In the- all right. So I have, well, but we yeah. both have nine year olds, Shelley and I. Uh, they love horror. Yeah, my Quinn was into Five Nights at Freddy's. Begging me to see yeah. horror movies. When is the right time to show them? I'm asking you as someone who's been in horror movies. Right. As well as has older, yeah. How many older children teenage have kids. You scarred? Totally, totally rely on me. That's a good <laughs> idea. Like, what could possibly go wrong? Uh, here's the thing, dude. I am, I always, I am shocked at these conventions that people come up like, they love Scream. And that you're sitting there with like a four-year-old. I'm like, dude. It's <laughs> not okay. Murdering people. Like, Ghostface is not, you know, Ghostface is more than a, host- a Halloween costume. Um, you know, and Scream 6 just came out, is coming out this weekend, and apparently mm-hmm. it's super, super violent. And, you know, I mean, look, my whole thing is, like, starting with Scooby-Doo. Like, you know, just to push that. I mean, the idea of, like, the great thing I think about Scooby-Doo and being somebody that still is very much um a part of that creative world like i still play the voice of shaggy it's like my sort of my day job outside of beetle and grims um that is a place where kids learn about mystery they learn about being scared they learn about monsters they learn that monsters aren't real and sort of like builds in all the tingly suspense and the fear for a young kid um and then you know and 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 sort of start and it's also like great place to learn storytelling Right, it's the setup, and then you yeah. have the mystery, and it's you know, how they do it, and the reveal, and three act structure, and it's great. Um, so that's why I always say start with kids. Nine year olds, it's way different. Like you sort of have to follow your instinct on that. But I, I always say hold out. There's nothing good that sh- that comes from premature horror and R movies. Nothing good comes from them. Oh, no. Well, that's a good point. And they're getting it up anywhere. I mean, they get it anyways. It's right. TikTok and Facebook, all the things we try to protect, they're still inundated with so much. And if you even turn on the movies, I mean, look, Iron Man 2, I took my kids to Iron Man 2 in the movie theaters, and there's like a terrorist attack that, that kills half a nation. It's horrific. I mean, that's that's scary enough. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So. I mean, my, my daughter wants to watch Megan, Mathrigan. Uh, she's oh, yeah, yeah. into it and all that. I'm like, no, no. Like, I... I the, th- the problem is that I'm not a horror aficionado, so I don't know how to judge like when is the right time. But what you just said, I'm 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 going to take that to her. And be yes. like, Matthew Lillard said Matthew nothing Lillard good. Comes. Says. <laughs> you can't take it back. I mean, we we say that right. to our kids all the time on the internet. When you are watching something, you can never unsee it. Yeah, and there are things on the internet you don't want to see, and you True. certainly don't want to see. I have a 15 year old, like son. You don't want to see it. Yeah. No. I still don't like tree branches too close to windows because I think of poltergeist. No, 
No, like I'm still <laughs> scarred from Poltergeist. I can't do it. I, I agree. I, I think they get enough of it from from the other things that it's like, you know, uh, I just, now I got to find when that right sweet spot is for them to see it because I saw. Maybe like a funny horror one. I tried like Evil Shaun Dead. Not one of the the Army of Darkness, which I was like, yeah, this is like horror action comedy, um, and that that didn't work very well because <laughs> the first thing is him it, cutting it, it off his arm. It oh, didn't. Yeah. It yeah, it was not what they were expecting at all. Hmm. Yeah, so I'm 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 nervous. Back to Scooby Doo. Back to Scooby Doo. It is. <laughs> <laughs> Back to basic. Gone in the name of the King and Dungeons Each Tale. That's a terrible movie. That, so scary horrible. for a very different reason. <laughs> very different. You know, who was it that said, somebody said, uh, it was Jamie Kennedy always says, what's the scariest movie ever made? And it says, uh, good uh, showgirls. <laughs> <laughs> scariest movie ever made. It is pretty scary, actually, with the pushing down the, the stairs. A lot, a lot of things happening in that movie. That's true. That's true. Uh, well, it's always great checking in with you, finding out uh, what's going on with Beale and Grimm's. I think you got a lot of stuff in the future uh, that we're super excited about. But where can people check out the uh, the? I mean, the thing is with the limited quantities, there's always there's not much out there that they can get. What what's still available that that uh, you want to well, get people to go to? Yeah, interestingly enough, I mean, a platinum edition we only sell a thousand. We still only you know we make a thousand there for five hundred dollars each. Um, those sell out, and those are all gone. I think those are all sold out. Um, we do have steel editions of Dragonlance. Dragonlance is fantastic. So nice. I would start there. We also have a ninety nine dollar version of. Uh, Keys of the Golden Vault, and then Spelljammer is still out there. Spelljammer box is great. So we do a lot of we do a lot of platinum editions, and then what we do a silver edition, which is a little less expensive and a little less a little fewer bells and whistles. We don't do minis with those, and and sort of allowing people. Our goal is to make products to continue to try to find to make you know products that everyone at the table can buy something like. We have a series of dice sets that are incredibly popular right now that are class-specific. So we have our class-specific dice sets. Mm. Um, so those are super cool. So we have, you know, Druid dice and Paladin dice. And so you go out and sort of, it, the dice are not just your standard seven set, but it's curated for what, you know, D4s for magic missiles or the rogue has extra D8s or, or D6s. So they're curated for the class needs. So we're, those have been- That's really so cool. smart. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's a pretty cool idea. That's and it's so good. Really nifty tin. And it's, you know, and the dice are very, you know, the offhand dice and um, they're very cool. And we're actually, you know, we're, we're those have been great for us as a, as a company, just ongoing and evergreen and sort of ending mm-hmm. up all over the place. And, and so, yeah, so we're, um, so you can always go to beetleandgrims.com. You can find, you know, we've got all kinds of cool t-shirts right now. And I don't know, we've got, you know, we just... Sign up for the Goblin. I will say that I think the best thing about our company is sort of our take on sort of standard stuff. So, you know, we have the support Goblin that writes an email or two. (laughs) So they're sort of funny and silly and sort of a tone that we've built into our company. And, you know, I don't know. I think that, listen, if you love D&D, it's funny. There's two sides of this weird coin that I'll go to a convention and people are like, I saw you on Critical Role. I'm like, do you know I have a Dungeons and Dragons company? Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> I'm always shocked that there's so many people out there that don't know that I am actively involved in the community. People are like, how did you end up on Critical Role? I'm literally on like a one shot with Sam. I'm like, well, I'm, 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 
My, my, my publicist set it up. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. What else? <laughs> Um, <laughs> that is funny. And that's true. People get the, you know, the word out differently. We always think about that with, with Dungeons and Dragons, where we're like, we th- everybody knows about this product that we've been talking about for yeah. three weeks. And they're like, well, but not. It, you need to penetrate yeah. and get into the different fandoms and, and, and get in front of eyeballs. And that's not always yeah. easy to do. And do ever, <laughs> yeah, sorry, go ahead, Jill. Do you ever get any like hardcore D&D fans that are surprised to hear you're an actor? <laughs> <laughs> I don't get that. Oh. I, we did have, at Gen Con last year, we I, it did end up signing autographs for a couple for a long time. So I think what we're gonna do this year is we're gonna find a charity and I'm gonna sign autographs. So if you buy something from the booth, um, nice. we give those proceeds to charity. And you know, we'll you know, we'll, I don't know how we're gonna do it, but we're gonna make it so that you're not just signing buying stuff so that you sign it. And I'm not just saying they're signing stuff. It's it's it is weird because we do have the we do have a huge. I will say that I think our fan base, quote unquote, uh, our customers sort of love our company. And yeah, we have a lot of people that love the amount of time, energy, and effort we put into stuff, and the tone of our emails and our you know sort of who we are as people. And and so that has been really heartwarming showing up at a convention and seeing people year after year going, what do you have? And we, this is what we loved about that. And like sort of engaging in really authentic conversations about, you know, what we're doing and who we are and, and sort of where we're going. So I don't know, it's been a, it's, it's been an awesome ride. And again, going back to, if you're somebody out there wondering if you should do something, I say, yes, do do it. it. You know, it's the best. Make Except watch horror if you're a young kid. Nothing good will come of that. <laughs> you can't take it back. <laughs> awesome. Thank you, guys. Thank you for having me. It's always a joy. I can't Thank wait. Thank you. So good. And when we finally talk about that thing. Oh, I can't wait. We'll come and we talk about that We'll have you back thing. immediately as soon as we can. And we'll see you at events hopefully this uh, this year. That sounds yeah, good. Yeah, for sure. Oh, by the way, who's not excited about I'm seeing a sneak pe- preview next week at CAA for... Oh, for the Dungeons and Dragons movie? The D&D movie? Yeah. It's good. It's good. We've seen it. It's really good. You're going to like it. It's so good. Good. All right. Well, we'll get you on and and, and give you the the review from you after and see if it matches up to Dungeon Siege. I'll be a roaming reporter. Yes. (laughs) On the red carpet. (laughs) All right. Thanks, Matt. Talk to you later. Thank you. It is always so great uh, getting to check in with Matt. What a dude. I love talking to him. I love his enthusiasm, his passion. He's got a lot of passion. His talent. (laughs) Um, Good stuff. Check out everything that Beetle and Grimms is doing. They're fantastic and have been for, like like you said, six years or something like that. It's crazy how long they've been around. I know. And I just do love that they were a and d party first and foremost. And now this is what they do. This is their business. And I got to agree and think that. All those years of D and D probably helped with some of those, you know, running a business together. Yeah, it has to. Yeah, you start a theater company that fails. You start a D and D group that keeps going. Start up a uh, a D and D 
you know, accessories company. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. That doesn't really encompass everything that Beetle and Grimms does, but the, yeah. the natural path for sure. You've got it all ready to go. And I think there is something to learn from that as well as inspiration. I agree. I am excited about everything that they are doing. And I would love if every single person listening would give them a high five, Beetle and Grimms, when you see them next. Yes. I think they would absolutely appreciate that and high five you back. It is true. Yeah. If you would like to find out about everything that's going on in the D&D world, you can head to D&D Beyond. That's probably the best way to do it. Just roll up some characters, get some awesome fun stuff. There is a um, a bit of Dungeons & Dragons movie lore up on there available mm-hmm. now where you can get the stat blocks of all of the characters that are appearing in that film. Yes. Very exciting. That is going to be premiering any moment now when you're listening to this. So look for your local listings and get involved because it does look like a super fun movie for everyone to enjoy. I say look like like I haven't seen it, but I have seen it, and it's really good. Don't just take my word for it, though. You need to form your own opinions. Uh, but I'm pretty ex- uh, sure that most folks who are listening to this who enjoy a bit of humor and uh, uh, levity in their D&D games, um, maybe even some farts, there's some fart jokes, I think, in there. Uh, you're going to love this movie. Greg, what? I don't know how to tell you this, but on Monday night when I was watching The Bachelor, there was a preview for the D&D movie. Yeah, that means we're totally mainstream. Totally. I thought and you were going to say that The Bachelor farted. <laughs> I'm sure he did. He never has. I mean, basically, every time he talks, it's like a long, <laughs> continuous um, And I have had several um, mainstream mothers say, yeah. hey, there's a D&D movie. Like, did you know that? Like, to me, like, yeah. I, we know, I, but yeah. I know, I know. Um, they're like, that looks interesting. So... Hey, there you're, you capturing, have it. you're capturing the audience of, uh, of of women who would like to see Chris Pine opine on the film. <laughs> Chris Pine, Pine. <laughs> <laughs> and that fits. I think that's really cool. I actually do think uh, most uh, folks will get a kick out of seeing it. It's a very like movie movie, right? Where you go and you watch it and you just, you just have fun for two hours. It's great. I, I absolutely would stand by, even if you don't play D&D. You will still enjoy this movie. Absolutely. Yes. That could but not be said do, of other D and D movies. No. Or Dungeon Siege, as Matt said. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. Yeah. So, get out there and go see it. Get your party together, and get your friends who don't play D and D together, and then get ready to DM because they're going to ask you to play D and D. They are. That is. And then you have those characters on D and D Beyond to be able to jump into as well. There you go. Um, tell people about Dragon Talk while you're at it. We have a book, Welcome to Dragon Talk. It's available on Audible with me and Shelly reading it aloud. Yep. Including Hopefully. details on me meeting Matthew Lillard for the first time um, at a restaurant in Burbank, uh, which we allude to in this interview. Uh, but you can get the full skinny on that there. And uh, you can follow me at Greg Tito on Twitter. And at Greg underscore Tito on Instagram. I'm also on Mastodon and Hive. Uh, and what about 
where you are, Shelly. I'm at Shelly Moo on Twitter and Instagram, and you can visit my website at ShellyMazinoble.com. I'm trying to get together a website, too. Hopefully I can start saying I have a website as well. I'm going to have a Substack too. Substack? Uh huh. Are you going to join Medium and start blogging there now? I might already have a Medium account, (laughs) which I don't think I've ever used, but maybe. Maybe. I would like to have a Medium and and then hold a seance. uh, Oh, I've done that. Talk about, oh, really? Well, that seems like a blog. You should write about that. I actually, yes, I did write a blog about my experience when I used to um, call upon several ghosts when I was in my my Ouija board phase. Which was what, like last year? Since you're two weeks ago, (laughs) eighteen. My Ouija board phase. Yeah, we always contacted the same spirit for some reason. Was it Momo? Sorry, this isn't a visual medium. You guys could see my striking resemblance to Momo, the internet witch that was circulating a few years ago. She's still here. Lots of callbacks on this episode. Wow. Wow. Speaking of which, we are calling back to what's happening in Drunky Two-Shoes' adventure. She has gotten her party together. The old tabaxi woman raised her sword up, and was ready to join your crew. And uh, we're excited to, to jump right back in. So she says, um, there's only one thing I could tell you, uh, and that is what I told your brother. There's a spell that's only written down uh, in, in one location. Okay. I, I, I don't know where it sends you, but it's a spell that takes you to the cat lord. The cat lord? Yes. Why are we just learning about a cat lord? You don't know about the cat lord? Mm-mm. That's our, our creator, who, who, the, the, the person who, the, the, the being, the, the entity, the deity who, who created all tabaxi. What? Your, your parents never told you about this? No. My parents are not tabaxi. They're not? I was, I mean, my adopted parents are not. Your adopted parents. You were adopted in Schultz, yes. you said? Yes, Daryl and I were adopted, yes. We that were explains. part of an abandoned litter. Whoa. I think my magic was too much for them. I'll never know. You'll never know. So you told my brother of this spell? Yes, and it is in a part, uh, one of the worlds that is connected to this radiant citadel. Do you know how to get there? Uh, yes, you must take, well, well together, I, I'm going with you. Yes, yes, I know, but I just want to make sure that... You must go to the city of Sagarpur. Sagarpur? Yes. How long will it take us? Uh, luckily, the uh, uh, as long as you get permission from the speakers, uh, one, oh. of the, uh, one of the crystals will be able to take us there. Them again, the speakers. Yes. Altia, can you help with that? I think so. Oh. Yeah. We're all uh, invested in, in trying to find out what happened to your, not only your brother, but, but the entire civilization. To the cat lord! To the cat lord! Uh, then all of your, uh, the tabaxi in your group say that, and then uh, uh, Samson is like, to, to, the, to the cat lord? Yeah, 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 roll with it. So I was going to call him Sebastian for some reason. <laughs> that, that is your tabaxi name. I have now christened you, Samson. Uh, well, Samson is fine. Thank yeah, you. yeah, yeah. Wait, is, is Altia a tabaxi? I forgot. Yes. Yes. Oh, yeah. Gosh, and Jonathan. So many. 
we are basically just like recreating that tabaxi plane just right here by ourselves. And uh, the old woman says, well, perhaps we will uh, be able to uh, create a new, a new world. But it is my hope there are more of us uh, that, that your brother is, is with and that it is not just us. Um, so yes, let's go to the uh, uh, let's go to the speakers and tell them what what uh, what we plan to do. Okay. And she says, "Do I need? I, I don't think I need to bring anything um, other than this." And she holds up the sword again. Yep, uh, you look pretty good to me. All right. So you head to uh, the place where all the speakers are. So exciting! And we'll pick it up there uh, and speak with Shola. Next time. Shola. She's awesome. I don't think she likes me. I think she does. We'll see. All right. Well, you have to roll some persuasion, perhaps. I'm persuasive, as we've learned. You are, indeed. You rolled very high to get uh, this old woman uh, for Keister. (laughs) I'm so excited. I have an adventuring party. Yay. Gosh. You know what? The next D&D movie should be about drunky. You heard it here first. We're announcing We're so many things it. on this podcast. <laughs> Breaking episode. so much news. Breaking news. 